there were so many people that were really human, you know, like people from so many different backgrounds and walks of life and socioeconomic backgrounds and educational backgrounds, you know, just a whole smattering. I mean, imagine going across, you know, the United States and Canada for like 60,000 miles. So five summers, six summers. Um, the thing that I found that made people the most human was kindness and acceptance and openness and trust. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, so let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Laura Farenthold. Laura has worked as a New York Daily News crime reporter, government press secretary, private investigator, and content editor at Women's World Magazine for over two decades. Her memoir, The Pink Steering Wheel Chronicles, tackles grief and loss in the most American of ways by hitting the road in a camper nicknamed Harvey the RV with her two daughters, a stray dog, and her dead husband's ashes. Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, Drew. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Laura and I were talking before we went on the air, and, and it's such an interesting story of how I met Laura and discovered this amazing book that she wrote, the, the Pink Steering Wheel Chronicles. I stayed at Laura's Airbnb. Airbnb. And I, you know, when I was, when I was walking up the driveway, I passed this beat up RV and I found my way inside and sat at this coffee table. And there was a book sitting on the coffee table saying, you know, I just wrote this book. It's going to be turned into a series. And, and, um, and I, and I read the, the back of it. I'm like, wow, this fits, you know, the show, my, my show perfectly. Um, so what a, what a fortunate uh, thing, Laura, to, to have met you. That was great. Thank you. Sometimes things work out like that, don't they? Totally, uh, absolutely. And and you know, when I was reading your um, when I was reading your bio, Laura, I mean, you've had a very eclectic background as a crime reporter, private investigator. Maybe, maybe just talk a little bit about your background. Some of <laughs> <laughs> that's what my mother says. She's like, <laughs> "Where did you come from?" <laughs> Yeah. I mean, were you actually a, a private investigator as well as a crime reporter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it started when I was young and living in Rochester, New York, and there was the double initial murderer. And this man was murdering girls with double initial initials and then burying their bodies in the town or whatever that began with the same letter. So the first one was Carmen Cologne and they found her in Chai Lai. The second one was Wanda Wachowitz and they found her in Webster. The third one was Michelle Mayenza and they found her in Macedon. And mm. my friend, Lisa Lobianco was terrified. She wouldn't walk to the school bus by herself. And it just, I don't know. I think that just triggered something in me. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> 
Um, I've been going up to Rochester for years. You know, as I was telling you, my my mother's side of the family is there, and I and I never knew about that. But that is that is uh, that does sound pretty terrifying, though. Well, they were saying, you know, detectives were saying that he was spelling out "Come with me, little girl." Oh, so Lisa Lobianco and then whoever was Gigi, but he stopped after Michelle Mayenza. Oh, thank God. Okay. Know, right. Um, but as a little kid, you're just like, what? You know, I'd yeah. never heard of anything like that. And I would literally walk Lisa to the bus stop, you know. So. <laughs> oh my God. Well, so, so Laura, that, that leads us to this, this really this powerful, amazing book. Um, that you've, that you've written, you know, for the listeners who aren't familiar with your story, can you just take us through a little bit about what happened with your husband, Mark, and really the trauma that unfolded for you and your daughters? Um, well, let's see. So we had met in a newsroom, a newspaper newsroom, where I was working at the Times Herald Record in uh, Middletown, New York, after I left the Daily News. And uh, we, you know, started dating or whatever. <laughs> and he then became a reporter for Bloomberg News. And as his career grew, he basically, you know, he was covering the financial markets in Wall Street. And he realized after the subprime mortgage collapse that the Federal Reserve had been taking money from taxpayers in order to bail out banks, okay, because the economy was going to collapse. And he did something called FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, to get the Federal Reserve to open their books to explain that they were taking like $3 trillion from taxpayers, but they wouldn't open the books. So he ended up suing the Federal Reserve, along with Bloomberg. And in the middle of the lawsuit, he dropped dead um, of a heart attack at home. And that led to the book. Mm. Well, you know, Laura, I wanted to ask you, I mean, from, uh, I mean, obviously, and, and the book really lays this out. I mean, it was a, you know, from this desperate, this desperate situation, this very, you know, difficult situation, came this unbelievable inspiration. And I'd love for you to just talk about, you know, what you thought, what you think it was the biggest inspiration behind this, really this need to travel across the country with your girls and, and just go on this big adventure. Um, I was traumatized <laughs> uh, because, you know, he, he died at home. It was Thanksgiving. And, you know, it was pretty gruesome. So, and my girls, you know, I didn't write about that in the book so much because they were only eight and 10 at the time, but they saw everything. So, you know, as young, I was like 46 years old and I just, I was overwhelmed and people were being so nice and they would come over and bring casseroles and, you know, take the garbage out and make sure we were doing okay. And, I just felt so much pressure to be okay, if that makes sense, mm. like to put on that face and say, oh, I'm fine. But we weren't fine. You know, we were really, um, you know, in a bad place. So I thought, okay, 
what can I do with these girls and myself to give us bigger experiences than his death or, you know, more positive experiences, other things to remember other than that night. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm like, okay, we're going camping. <laughs> so, and my mother said, you can't do that. You can't, you know, go across the country in an airplane with those two young girls and go camping by yourself, which of course made me want to do it more, <laughs> you know, being the adult rebellious teenager. So I was like, sure, I can do this. So we got on a plane, we went to Portland, Oregon and rented camping equipment in a car and went camping. And my mom was right. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, I mean, I'm a camper anyway, but to be responsible for two kids and like pitching the tent in the rain and, you know, all the stuff that goes with it and cooking out on the grill and peeing outside and everything. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, did you, did you grow up camping at all? Or was that something that you did when you were, when you were a kid? I mean, a little bit, sure, but definitely not like that. <laughs> Um, so, um, so I brought my husband's ashes with us, I guess, just because I didn't want to leave him home alone. Like if something, if something else happened to him, like if the house burned down or something, like I wanted to protect him. So I brought him with us and, uh, what started this whole thing is one night at this campground, I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And I was so scared because it was late at night and we're in the middle of nowhere. So I brought his ashes to the outhouse with me, right? And then I tripped and cut my knee and the ashes flew out of the box. Not all of them, but a lot of them flew out of the box and all over me. And I just sat there crying. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even take care of him when he's dead. You know? So, oh, but then I was like, well, maybe... I mean, I'm making a joke, but I was like, maybe he tripped me because he wanted to get out of his box. You know, maybe he doesn't want to live in this box. Maybe he wants to, you know, be outdoors. So it started this whole, we ended up doing 60,000 miles. Well, all right. So then we were, I was so sick of camping and I saw this old beat up RV for sale on the side of the road. And I'm like, okay, if that thing is like under $4,000, I'm buying it. And it was. So we bought it. And then we ended up going on all of these adventures and trips across North America um, for 32,000 miles, sprinkling him and then 60,000 in total. Mm. Wow. And, and it, would you say that it really just turned into this healing journey? Um, yeah, I would say that definitely, you know, the word journey, and I'm not picking on you, Drew. I hate that word. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. It's okay. Well, how, how would, what would you, what would you, what word would you use instead, Laura? <laughs> it's just, I was like, oh, your journey. I'm like, I don't know if it's a journey. Um, but you know, the, it was just really good for my kids and for me to you know, see mountains that were taller than him. He was six foot four and to climb those mountains and to, you know, go whitewater rafting and, you know, do all of these things because it built their bones. Right. Mm. And it made them stronger and more capable. 
they were challenging themselves. Like I'd give them, you know, $50 and send them into the grocery store and go, okay, you girls, you know, plan the meals for the week. So they learned how to read maps. So there were just, you know, a lot of skills and a lot of things that they did and learned that they wouldn't have if we were sitting home crying. Mm. You know, something that really stood out to me as I read the book uh, was just this amazing, this amazing community that kind of showed up. And, And I'm just curious, looking back on your experiences, what did you learn about community as you were traveling across the country? And maybe what, what did you even learn about family? It's funny because that was before, you know, van life became a thing. Um, so I think it was a little bit more pioneering maybe. Um, I found that people were so nice and so good. Like there wasn't one circumstance that I was ever afraid or felt threatened, you know, being a woman in this beat up old RV driving around with two kids, you know, it can get, it it could have gotten hairy at any point, but it never did. I mean, one time the tire popped and people helped us. Another time um, the radiator blew out and these three Marines appeared out of nowhere (laughs) and at this trading post in New Mexico, they're like, Oh, we got it. And we got an egg and put it in the radiator and they followed us into Santa Fe, you know, just, I don't know, this other couple, um, that were opera singers and their daughter had us stay with them for three days. Um, they were so nice. We went to a wedding on a goat farm in Cape Breton, uh, Nova Scotia with people we didn't even know and ended up staying with them for like two weeks. It was just amazing. Mm. You know, and I always like to say that I grieved in the arms of America because it was too hard to grieve in front of my friends, you know, because then they worry about you. But it was like I was able to practice on people. <laughs> you know, yeah. like strangers tell each other their life stories on airplanes. You know, it's like right. I was able to practice saying, yes, I'm widowed. And, you know, this is what happened. And I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah. Well, you know, it, I mean, it was it was very powerful. And and as you're reading the book, you you know, you go through all these un, these really some of these incredible experiences that happened along the way. Um, I'm not going to say journey. I promise. I won't. I won't <laughs> use that word. But uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it was very emotional at the end, especially when you got when you made it to Mark's house at the very end of the book. And 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 you and you wrote something that I you know the words were just beautiful. I wrote it down. You said. Love guides us even when we sometimes feel hopeless and lost. And I thought that was really powerful. Um, I mean, what are those, you know, you wrote those words, Laura. What do those words mean to you? Um, I think that, you know, with death, there's still life, you know. I mean, we love our families, hopefully. You know, we've had first loves and, you know, children or grandparents. And, you know, I think that even if they're not here with us, they're still here with us. Mm. And that can sometimes help you, you know, make decisions and do things, if that makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. You know, I, 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 I felt so inspired by, by the, uh, by the, by the book, 
Um, and this, this whole idea that, you know, you, you did something a lot of people were telling you not to do, you know, don't go on this, this, um, this trip or this adventure with the RV and everything. And, and you did it, the road less traveled. And I'm just wondering for anybody who's listening to the show right now, who is contemplating going on some adventure, whatever it is, following their bliss, their passion. If they were sitting with you right now, Laura, what might you tell them? Guess. Did you say guess? Yeah. Go for it. Do it. You know, we get a short time in life and, you know, there's a philosopher, Ellen Watts, who talks about, and we all know this anyway, you know, you get the golden handcuffs, right? And you work every day and, you know, you're trying to save money and buy things and do things and, you know, live in these prescribed lives that sometimes people aren't happy with, but they feel like they should. There's that big word should, right? Yeah. But I would never want to say, oh, I could have, mm. you know, not that I'm irresponsible. I mean, I have a job and stuff, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of times we, we cage ourselves in and maybe we're afraid to do things. I mean, I was definitely afraid a lot of the time, but, you know, I pushed myself to do it and, you know, I feel much stronger as a person now, like definitely more independent and capable. And it just, you know, it, it can, it can build your morale, mm. whatever it is. And, and what do you think your, your girls took away from it as well? They're unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> like I created two little monsters. <laughs> One of them just bought a house. Um, she used to ride her bike to work as a nanny, saved money, worked as a waitress, you know, basically put herself through school and she just bought a house. She's 21 years old. Hmm. Um, and she's going to grad school. So I give her a ton of credit. And then my other one, um, took a gap year to work on tall ships, America, and she wrote into her cover letter that she's never been sailing in her life. I'm like, Susanna, don't say that. They won't hire you. Um, but that's the reason why they did hire her, because they wanted somebody with no experience. So her gap year turned into two gap years, and she sailed all over the place. Um, and now she's getting her captain's license. Oh, wow. 120-ton <laughs> captain's license, um, working on ships in New York City, she became an EMT and she's now going to college as well. Wow. So, you know, they're both super independent, capable, you know, hardworking, solid little citizens. And I really think that if I had stayed home whimpering and crying and being depressed, that they would probably be sitting there whimpering and crying and depressed. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So... It just, I think that it really helped us way more than therapy because we did go to therapy and I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like we did it, but it was, I mean, it was good, but it wasn't the answer. It helped, but that was not going to cure us. Mm. And I could tell. I, I got to ask you about Harvey, the RV. Um, so when I went to your Airbnb, you know, I passed Harvey is Harvey still, I, I mean, are you still taking Harvey on trips or is he retired or, or what's, what's the deal with Harvey? 
I don't know. Harvey's like Herbie the love bug. You know, like we have this major emotional attachment to him. <laughs> we call him him. Um, and he still runs and I take him out every week for a spin around the block or whatever, just to keep the engine going. But, you know, he's kind of falling apart and, you know, I just like, I think my RVing days are over, but it's really hard to let go of him too. So it just sits there. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I should probably sell it, but you know, and then if, if they want him in the, in the streaming series, I'm like, well, maybe I should keep him and then, you know, he can get a makeover and then they'll use it in the series or maybe they'll just buy another one. You know, I'm, we're not there yet. So I'm hanging out to him for now. So, so maybe talk a little bit about that, Laura. So the, the, the book is being turned into, is it a, is it a TV show or a series? Um, it will be a streaming series on, you know, like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or whatever. Um, so a producer in LA just hired two co-writers to help me because I could not do it. (laughs) Like I, I don't know how to write a pilot. I tried and tried and tried and cried and cried and cried. I'm like, I can't. So, um, he hired two co-writers and we've been working on it. Great. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that was so helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are, are, are you shooting for like next year? You think like two twenty twenty two 22 or. Yes. I mean, we'll get it turned in. I'm thinking by labor day, we've been working really hard on it. Um, and then, you know, I don't really know anything about that industry. So I don't know how long it'll take. All right. And so, and then also you, you just, did you just finish another book, the Airbnb Chronicles? I'm still working on it. Yes. It just came back from the publisher and I have to do some edits and then I think I'll hold off on that until the spring. Nice. Nice. I'm getting it published. And that's a, that's a really fun book. That, Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I did stay at your Airbnb. I mean, am I going to, uh, am I going to appear in this one or? You missed the deadline, Drew. Sorry. Oh, darn it. <laughs> I know. But, you know, it's, it's almost like an extension in a way of the pink steering wheel chronicles, because, you know, people that you meet in your life along the way always you know, leave like a little gift, you know, a memory and experience or whatever. Um, and the same thing happened with Airbnb. You know, I opened my home to people and some of the people that I met, I mean, everyone was great in their own way, but some people were absolutely incredible mm. and life changing. And so it's almost like reflections on that, but it's also hilariously funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the thing about the pink steering wheel chronicles. I mean, there parts of it. I mean, obviously, it's it's sad. There there are moments that are very sad, um, but there's there's also a lot of humor. I mean, you're like a really funny writer, so that's you know. So I'm sure that the Airbnb chronicles is gonna be it's gonna be great. Well, let's so, hope so. Thank uh, you. Well, we can't wait for that. Um, <laughs> So just a few final questions that I ask most people that come on the show here is, Laura, what are some of the daily practices 
that you do to keep you feeling a bit more grounded and peaceful? This might sound weird. Um, the things that keep me grounded and peaceful are doing house projects. <laughs> like the girls and I, I couldn't live in the house that my husband died in. There was just no way. Um, it was too sad. So I bought this crappy little house and the girls and I completely gutted it and fixed it up ourselves. And we had no idea what we were doing, but it looks great. Um, so, you know, like doing gardening, I have chickens, I don't know, renovation projects, decorating, cooking, just, you know, basic home stuff mm -hmm. is what I enjoy and keeps me active and motivated. Excellent. Excellent. You know, and th so this next question I've been asking people recently, because I, I, th I do think it's an important question. And it, it, it really relates, in my view, when I read your book, just to some of the things that you learned from the different people that you met along the way. And in your mind, Laura, what does it mean to be human? Hmm. There were so many people that were really human, you know, like people from so many different backgrounds and walks of life and socioeconomic backgrounds and educational backgrounds, you know, just a whole smattering. I mean, imagine going across, you know, the United States and Canada for like 60,000 miles. So five summers, six summers. Um, the thing that I found that made people the most human was kindness mm. and acceptance and openness and trust like there was this grandmother in um, right outside of New Mexico in like near Arizona who had, she was working in like a little taco stand and she let her four granddaughters who were young, like my kids age, like I think between all of them, they were 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 and 15 between all of our girls, she let them go off in the RV with me. And the mm -hmm. girls took us to their favorite swimming hole. They took us to their grandparents' house, you know. <laughs> and then when we came back, they had this big family dinner and this porno oven that they were making tortillas on and everyone was playing music and dancing and singing. And to me, that's human. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it was a really cool experience. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, did that answer the question? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that absolutely does. And um, I, that leads us to the last question that I wanted to ask you, which is, which is when I ask everybody, if you could travel back in time, say 50 years or so, what words of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self? I love that because I always try to imagine my right hand as being my old lady hand, like all wrinkled with veins and everything, like maybe like an 86 year old woman's hand patting my younger hand and saying, it's okay, honey, you know, whatever you're going through will be okay. Totally. Totally. So that's my older self speaking to my younger self. I imagine my old lady hand. Cause you know, you think sometimes you think things are so insurmountable and so huge and you get stressed out or worried about stupid things or big things. 
but everything passes, right? Mm, absolutely. Uh, Laura, what's the best way for, for listeners that want to learn more about you, your work and your books? Where should they go? Well, the book is on Amazon. It was in Costco and a bunch of other stores, Target, but it was released in late 2018. So, you know, they don't carry it on the shelves after like, I don't know, six months. So it's on Amazon. And then this series will be coming out whenever, I guess, within like the next year. But I don't know if it'll be called the Pink Steering Wheel Chronicles. That's the thing. Okay. They might change it. They might change it. Exactly. All right. Well, we will definitely in the show notes, we will link up with your, you know, we'll, we'll link up with your website and, um, you know, the book so people can, you know, check it out and learn more, read more about you and what you're up to. Um, but Laura, thank you so much. This was, uh, this was great. Well, I'm really glad that you stayed at the Airbnb, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. You know, and, and the Airbnb was great. Although I got to just say one thing, Laura, just as we wrap up here. Good. So the, using the ladder to get up to the bed, <laughs> I mean, has that been, so So I guess anybody listening right now can kind of imagine this. So you got to climb up. It's a really cool Airbnb. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's great. Um, but to get up to the bed takes a little bit of work. Has that, um, has everyone been okay getting up there? Well, you know, it's a funny thing because I spell it out in black and white. I'm like, the ladder's hard. It's eight steps. And most people who book it are young like us. Okay. So they're just, they're okay with it. Um, but if somebody's a little bit older and say, you know, you might not want to use the ladder. So there is the fold out. But yeah, it's definitely, it's a climb. <laughs> <laughs> and the ladder is hard on your feet, right? It is a little bit. It is a little, I mean, I, but I had a great sleep up there. So, I mean, the bed is very comfortable. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if anybody wants to hear about, hear about, the, hear about my, uh, my sleeping experience, but it was, it was, it was great. And, and so that's another way. So if you want to, if you want to check out, you know, eventually if you read Laura's next book and you want to check out the Airbnb, just. Well, hopefully by that time I'll be retired from it and, um, you know, living, Living the fancy LA life. No, I'm teasing, but you know, when this series is made, I'll be very involved with it as an executive producer. So oh, hopefully I won't have time to do Airbnb. Good, good. Okay, so that sounds great. All right, well, <laughs> and, and we look forward to talking to you again. Maybe when that when uh, when it comes out, we can uh, thank you. Get more details. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.